All right, uh, we're back on air, Intrinsic Value Wealth Report uh, Radio, uh, talking about this week's commentary. This is Wednesday night, May 27th, uh, 2020. So we're going to start out, uh, by the way, it's Dr. Paul Wendy, um, your host for the show. Um, and I'm. this is a live audience uh, that I'm talking with tonight, and uh, certainly glad to have them uh, with us. Uh, they may be asking some questions as we go. Well, the first thing I want to talk about is uh, the notion of dollar cost averaging. Um, you guys that are on the show with me that are students, uh, uh, again, this is a concept you may or may not have heard about, um, but, uh, but pay particularly close attention because this will be one of the topics we'll be talking about in this course. So with this really uncertain economic environment caused by the coronavirus um, and the market uh, seemingly looking at the um, at the whole economic and pandemic situation, situation differently than many economists certainly are, and a lot of investment professionals, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. And one, uh, one strategy that can maybe help people keep a perspective on their investing, keep an investing program going, uh, and keeping them from, from really jumping back into the market um, at what arguably could be a, a a very overvalued time in the market. And we'll talk later about um, the overvaluation. What Actually, we'll talk in this podcast about that um, as well in the class that we're, um, that we're a part of right now. So here's how dollar cost averaging uh, works about. And again, it's, it's um, a good strategy uh, with the uncertainty that's going on and the apparent overvaluation in the market. And one of the questions that people often ask is, well, should I be investing in the market right now? Um, I am pretty firm in telling people, no, you should not be jumping into the market in a big way. But if you have an investment program, and I think everyone should, then putting some money back into the market, uh, or at least keeping an investment program going, uh, could be a very good thing to do. Um, so a way to do that would be um, uh, by using a strategy called uh, dollar cost averaging. And dollar cost averaging is actually pretty simple. The idea has been around a long, long time. Um, and the idea is this, is that you just put um, uh, periodic sums of money or put a, you know, uh, yeah, periodic sums of money into the market at intervals. And those intervals could be every week or every month or every quarter, sometimes every year. Um, it doesn't matter a great deal. Um, you know, the longer you space it out, the more you're going to, uh, you know, perhaps bridge different market cycles. But the whole idea behind dollar cost averaging is that you are averaging out the economic or uh, averaging out the, the stock market cycles. Um, so, you know, a lot of people may, may be kind of afraid to get into the market now for whatever reason, because we're in the midst of an economic crisis. There's no doubt about that uh, because we're in the middle of a, a, a pandemic. Uh, there's uh, maybe a little doubt about that. Although uh, last week's article that I had in the commentary uh, talked about how people don't seem to be, um, uh, many people don't seem to be taking the coronavirus too seriously right now, but that's the subject for another day. Um, but regardless, people may be a little fearful to get back into the market. So dollar cost averaging is a way to kind of uh, to keep a program going, getting in uh, if you're currently out um, and, and you know, not be worrying about putting in the money in if you're worried about what could happen to the market. Um, so Again, it's it's a pretty simple strategy. You just take uh, you know whatever your investment amount that you're thinking about putting in, um, or it could just be a certain amount of money that you're taking each week out of your paycheck. 
but you just put a certain amount of money in. And what tends to happen then is that you're really averaging out the fluctuations in the market. Now there's a phenomena in the dollar cost averaging or a mechanism, if you will, of the dollar cost averaging that um, uh, the way it works is that if you put, um, that, that when you're buying when the market is at a high price, you're buying fewer shares than when you're buying when the market's at a low price. Okay, so high prices, you're buying fewer shares, low prices, you're buying more shares. And so your average cost by dollar cost averaging uh, will tend to be, you'll have a lower cost basis, okay, which, which could help. Um, now, it's fair to say that there are some critics of dollar cost averaging approach. It's really beyond the scope of this, uh, uh, this particular podcast, but just be aware that some, not everyone thinks that dollar cost averaging is the, the best approach. Um, there's two aspects, though, about the dollar cost averaging that, uh, that I like in particular, and one of the reasons I'm a big uh, proponent of that. One is, is that, uh, as I mentioned before, a lot of people may be afraid to get back into the stock market right now. Uh, just because of what's been happening in the economy and with the pandemic and so forth. And so this is a way to kind of ease back into it where you're not making a big commitment. Um, the second reason is, is it just gets people started on a program of gradually investing in the market. Um, and most people need to, to have that discipline, uh, you know, something to keep them, to get them into the market. Um, and again, a dollar cost averaging approach when you're kind of you know, you're, you're just getting your feet wet, really. That's a particularly good strategy for uh, people starting out investing in the market. Um, so that's, that, that's, in essence, the dollar cost averaging approach. Um, and uh, uh, we will leave that topic then. So the, the next thing that we always do in these commentaries for you, those of you that are, uh, that are new to our format is we go through the uh, weekly um, highlights. So these are highlights from two weeks ago, actually. Um, this is the uh, based on the report for the um, commentary of May 18th. So this is the week preceding that. Um, but the dynamics of what's going on in, in the headlines, uh, I think, reflect currently what's going on. Uh, there's certainly been no let up uh, or very little let up in the, the economic news, the bad economic news that's been coming out. Um, it's just different different headlines, if you will. Uh, the way I compile this commentary is I go through the Wall Street Journals. I go through those on a daily basis, uh, as many of you know. Um, and then when I compile these commentaries, I uh, will go back to the headlines again and pick out the ones that I think are the most significant to put into the, uh, uh, into the commentary. So I'm just going to hit some of the highlight, not every single one necessarily. But uh, you know, factory furloughs across the US um, uh, are becoming permanent as opposed to temporary. A lot of people thought when the, the furloughs were happening that it would be a temporary thing. They'd be back to work in a couple of weeks. That's not happened and it's not going to happen because the uh, the fur furloughs, a lot of the companies are just saying we're, we're permanently laying people off. We just, you know, our business is not, not recovering and, and, uh, and we just can't, can't keep people on. Um, Kind of interesting, uh, most of you I think are familiar with uh, uh, Tesla, how uh, Elon Musk started um, resuming production up in Alameda, defying the local authorities, uh, and Trump actually backed him on that one. Um, so I, uh, so anyway, he, he went back into full production a little bit ahead of time. I think he was gonna be allowed to go back in anyway, but he jumped the gun a bit. 
Um, so the, the you know, recurring theme in all of the, the things we're seeing in the economic news and have been since uh, at least the beginning of March or middle of March um, is that uh, people are seeing an economy that keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And the comments that you get out from those that are really following it, including um, Fed Chairman um, Jerome Powell, is that the economy is 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 really in in worse shape, and I believe this in worse shape than most people realize. Um, and again, it, it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Um, and the worse it gets, the longer it's going to take to recover from this. And that's what Powell is warning. Um, and he has no axe to grind. I mean, he's he's the the number one guy in the world um, that really has his finger on the pulse. And it's his job to try and keep things, you know, from from getting bad and, and to recover as quickly as we can when that happens. Um, and he's telling us, and I think it's it's a good thing to listen to him, um, that that it's a bad situation. And you know, they're considering putting more stimulus into the uh, the economy on top of the massive amounts of stimulus they've already put in. So um, again, I think, and I've been saying this for quite some time, I think the economy is in worse shape than, uh, than most people realize. Um, interestingly enough, though, you know, hotels are beginning to, to reopen a little bit. Um, and this is according to Marriott's CEO, and global occupancy rates are, are leveling up. Um, another interesting uh, point is that house rental companies, you know, the companies that buy homes, um, and then rent them out or sell them, but but in this case, rent them out. They've actually been doing pretty well, and I think a big reason uh, for that. A lot of people I talk to um, who are in the real estate industry, um, you know, say that uh, you know people aren't able to buy homes. Obviously, if they're losing their jobs, um, you know, uh, and they're not confident about the economy, but they still need some place to live. So, house rentals are doing pretty well. Um, in this economic uh, crisis that we're in. Uh, and again, those of you who haven't heard the, uh, the commentaries up to this point, uh, we've been talking about this being an economic crisis. Certainly we're in a recession. Uh, we quite possibly or quite probably are in a depression. Uh, the way that those things are determined um, doesn't happen until quite some time after, after it's already happened. So when we declare this to be recession and or depression, that may not come until a year from now. But I think anyone just sitting at home like we all are looking at what's going on around us or maybe to be more correct, what's not going on around us, you, you have to understand that we're certainly in a recession and, and quite likely in a, in a depression. And when you look at some of the numbers that are coming out, um, a depression is, is not un, unlikely. Um, so when you get a recession or a depression, uh, quite often you get a situation of deflation as opposed to inflation. Um, and we may be seeing that April consumer prices declined 0.8%, uh, uh, which is the most uh, since the last recession. Um, not good news for public pension plans. They lost a median 13.2% median in the quarter ending in March. Uh, it's the worst performance that they've ever, ever shown. So they lost 13.2% in one quarter. Um, one thing that that I watch pretty closely and that we keep hearing is, you know, US, the, the, the US health officials, uh, whoever they are, I mean, we, well, we know who some of them are, of course, but almost across the board, the, the US health, health officials are saying, this is a, um, uh, you know, that this is a serious pandemic. We have to be careful about opening too soon. When we do open, 
uh, we have to uh, you know, be very careful about how we do that. Testing needs to be done and so forth. Um, and I'm going to comment on that in a couple of minutes when I talk about sort of my thoughts on where we are in terms of the economy and investing and so forth. Um, I think we may be opening too soon. Um, and, and we've just seen that now in this past weekend, uh, the Memorial Day weekend, um, you know, people are, are coming back. They're going back to work. They're, uh, they aren't taking the, the uh, coronavirus seriously, not least from what I've seen down here in Southern California. So um, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, the U.S. budget deficit increased to a record 1.935 trillion. That's trillion with a T um, in the 12 months that ended in April. Okay, those are those are big numbers. Um, when you have that big of a budget deficit and what it does to the national the national debt, um, that's uh, you know that's that's very significant and another problem that's an ongoing problem that's, that we're going to have for the economy. And I'll be writing about that in future uh, commentaries. Um, Again, Fed, Fed Chairman Powell mentioned uh, or said um, that you know further stimulus may be needed for the economy. Um, so the Wall Street Journal, as of a couple of weeks ago, had run a survey of economists, um, and the, the the their survey of economists uh, expects unemployment uh, to reach 17% by June. 17%. Now remember, before this, um, before this economic crisis happened and we go back to you know january february of this year uh late last year unemployment had reached a low like a 50-year low of about three and a half percent okay we're now in a situation that by june and this number seems to be supported by many many people um, and i agree with this number completely is that we're going to be seeing we, we've gone from unemployment of about three and a half percent which is considered to be a normal rate of unemployment. That's not a number that people get. Uh, that's actually considered to be very, very healthy. And that's a future economic discussion. We're now at a at an expected unemployment rate of 17%. That's that's huge. That's in the in the uh, certainly very serious depression uh, recession category and, and probably depression as well. Um, let's see. There were another three million unemployment claims. Um, in that week and the unemployment claims keep climbing. We're now at historic highs on unemployment. Uh, interestingly enough, Japan uh, started uh, opening their economy back up as of a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I saw more recently that they, they pretty much opened up completely. Um, the retailing sector, probably to no one's surprise, has been particularly hard hit uh, by the coronavirus. They were already in a, in a kind of a shakeout position because of of the internet shopping that people are doing and so forth. Um, so the retailers that haven't gone on board with, with being able to shop, have, have their customers shop on the internet uh, have been uh, being hurt. And as we've mentioned in previous commentaries and podcasts, the, the number of stores going out of business keeps, uh, keeps climbing. Um, factories, uh, oh, I'm sorry, consumers uh, cut back on spending in April at the fastest pace in decades. Uh, so in April alone, retail sales fell 16.4%. Factories also cut output in April uh, at the fastest pace in decades. Uh, manufacturing in just April alone fell 13.7%. Um, and then Germany's economy um, uh, fell into a recession in the, the first quarter of this year. 
J.C. Penney filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. So you know this is a global phenomena. Uh, it's uh, it's a it's a crisis situation all around the world. I'm talking about the economy, not just the uh, the pandemic itself. Um, the uh, the short term indicators that we follow took them a while to catch up because they are short term. But once they they caught up, they realized how bad. When I say they, I mean the the actual the algorithms that that are used. Uh, the four that we track are are all algorithms used by uh, uh, various branches of the Federal Reserve. So they finally caught up the uh, Arubo Diebold Scotty Index, um, and in last week's um, uh, commentary, I have a chart of of what that looks like uh, the, the decline that was was posted on that index, um, and then the GDP now model uh, is showing for second quarter a minus 42.8 percent decline in GDP. All right. So Q2 GDP minus 42.8%. <clears throat> the New York Fed's uh, now cast model shows a Q2 decline of minus 31.1%. So whether it's 31% or 40, you know, almost 43%, doesn't matter. Those are big, big numbers, big drops. Um, so again, this is a serious economic crisis. I think that most people aren't really recognizing just how, how, how bad the, um, uh, the economy is, as I mentioned before. Um, AAII's investors, uh, their, their uh, individual investor, their AAII sentiment survey uh, shows that many of their investors, about 50% uh, as of two weeks ago, uh, were, were bearish on the market. Um, I'm surprised it's not more, it's not higher than that. Um, okay, a couple of uh, long-term forecasts that we follow is the Federal Reserve's of uh, Philadelphia's Survey of Professional Forecasters. I'll let you read about that in the commentary, um, but those numbers support what we've already talked about. Uh, huge declines in the second quarter, um, year-ending GDP growth for this year of a minus 5.8%, and then um, gradually improving in the following year, years, but, uh, but it, it's, it's going to take a while to dig out of this hole. Uh, National Association for Business Economists, a uh, group that I belong to, and they came up with their flash survey in April. Again, I'll let you read about that. Uh, but again, those numbers uh, support um, the, uh, the crisis situation we're in. So how about the market? Um, the market is surprisingly showing uh, overvaluation. Um, so as of May 15th, uh, the Dow had a historic price earnings ratio of 19.79. The S&P had historic price earnings ratio of 20.53. That is not a cheap market. Um, as you um, may know, uh, the normal ranges that I've compiled for what those PDE ratios on a historical basis should be over time, uh, the range is about 15 to 18, okay? So PDE ratios of 15 to 18. So with the Dow currently at 19, almost 18, I'm sorry, almost 20, 19.79, almost 20, in the S&P at, uh, you know, 20 and a half, um, that, that's not a cheap market. It's really an overvalued market. And in, a, in an environment that we have now uh, where, um, where the economic news is just bad across the board, um, there's a, a real mismatch here. A couple of weeks ago, I wrote about, I wrote an article in the commentary um, that was basically said, uh, markets uh, can sometimes be wrong, and that's uh, certainly uh, being reflected, I think, uh, currently. So you might want to refer back to that um, article. 
um, and, uh, uh, and, and see our rationale for that. We also have a chart that we refer to. Um, and for this class, we'll be talking about um, uh, that chart because uh, I think it's one of the best charts that we have for understanding the markets and just how they can be wrong at times and how they're, uh, at least in my view, uh, wrong currently. All right, so then, so what should be our investment um, uh, you know, position right now? Again, it's not a cheap market. Um, I have gone back to saying, uh, whereas you know, in the first few weeks of this pandemic, I said, just stay out of the market now, let the dust settle a little bit. <clears throat> the dust has settled a little bit now. And so um, uh, I don't think it's, it's certainly not time to jump back in with both feet. Uh, but if you have an investment program that's been going on for a while, uh, you know, kind of keep that up. So that's where we get back to the lead article, which is dollar cost averaging. Um, and if you want to kind of start getting back into the market, or if you've not been in the market, um, you know, dollar cost average in, but but don't jump back in with both feet. This is not a uh, not a cheap market by any means. Um, so you can read about all the things I've talked about and a lot more in the um, in the commentary sections. Uh, so I think that will be it for tonight. Um, any questions from the uh, the live audience that's on with me? No, not at present time. Okay. All right, guys. Well, let's see. We're going to end this recording then.